This episode of PF's Tape Recorder is brought to you by Home Shirts Cleveland. For all of your Northeast Ohio vintage t-shirt needs, visit homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. You'll also find links to the original Cincy Shirts site, as well as Home Shirts Indianapolis, with more cities to come. That's homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. Now, on with the show. Hey everybody, this is uh, Jeremy Essick, and you're checking me out on PF's Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm P.F., this is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Paul Mercurio started his comedy career by doing a little moonlighting. Then, you know, I uh, sold some jokes to Leno, and I got to see him do my jokes on The Tonight Show, and that, like, totally sucked me in, and I thought it was just, like, secret double life. We'll hear more from Paul in just a few minutes. We'll have some more fun with Newsbusters, my favorite website. But first, as always, fake news. And now, fake news with me. Kathy Griffin is proud of her newsmaking New Year's Eve CNN moment with Anderson Cooper. David Letterman asked her about her oral sex stunt with Cooper on Wednesday's Late Show with David Letterman. If you think this is the part where I'm going to apologize, she said, you're sorely mistaken. Griffin's action had people across America asking, CNN has a New Year's Eve broadcast? Man, you have to absolutely hate Ryan Seacrest and or the ghost of Dick Clark to have anything on but New Year's Rocking Eve on New Year's Eve. Marlon Wayans hosted the celebration over on Fox with musical guest Tate Stevens, who won the X Factor, apparently. Lifehouse and Carmen Electra. Yes, they partied like it was 1999 on Fox. Terrible. President Obama, vacationing in Hawaii, employed an auto pen to sign the fiscal cliff bill late Wednesday night, the third time he has used such a device. The president then eventually gave the pen back to Jack Klumpus. little Seinfeld reference for you there. It's a pen from space, Jerry! Teenage photo of the late Lady Diana labeled not to be published will be up for sale at an auction on January 17th. The photo was stamped February 1981, taken some time before she moved into Buckingham Palace on February 23rd of that year, and then she married Prince Charles, uh, the Prince of Wales, on July 29th of 1981. The photo is expected to fetch a high price from someone who doesn't know how to copy an image off of the internet. The Arab television network Al Jazeera said Wednesday it has acquired current TV, the U.S. network started by former U.S. Vice President Al Gore. The buy will give the network headquartered in Doha, Qatar, greater access to the U.S. market. The purchase was reported by several news outlets in the United States, though Fox News anchors had difficulty reading the story due to severe hyperventilation. It's official, Hugh Hefner and Crystal Harris are husband and wife. After calling off their first wedding in June 2011, the Playboy founder, 86, and Playboy model, 26, tied the knot in a New Year's Eve ceremony at the Playboy Mansion. Crystal and I married on New Year's Eve in the mansion, Hefner tweeted. Love that girl! And Green Acres and Petticoat Junction. Everyone knows Taylor Swift's favorite number is 13. Oh, I didn't know that until now, but anyway. Ringing in the new year, 2013 was extra exciting for the superstar. She got to spend it with her new boyfriend. She spent the stroke of midnight kissing boyfriend Harry Styles of One Direction and later jotted down some possible lyrics. And that's fake news with me. Got a lot of stuff coming up uh, this week, so um, I wanted to do kind of a, a quick bit here. And uh, always a good source for a bit, well, is our friend the internet, isn't it? And particularly Facebook, and particularly, of course, News Busters Busted. I guess News Busters is the website, News Busted uh, is their hideous uh, news internet 
YouTube program. All right, so uh, you just go to uh, Newsbusters. If you're not following Newsbusters on Facebook, man, you are missing some comedy, and uh, of course, unintentionally. But uh, one of the things, uh, well, let's look on uh, today's here. Uh, let me see, where, where did it go? We have a uh, report. Al Gore wanted to complete sale of low-rated current TV in 2012 to avoid Obama tax increases. Now, I'm surprised they're not playing the uh, the Muslim angle of this, but now they're doing the tax increase angle. So we click on the uh, bit.ly link here, and it takes us to the Newsbusters webpage where the Newsbusters founded. Matthew Sheffield uh, has an essay about uh, how Al Gore sold uh, current TV to Al Jazeera, him and his investors to Al Jazeera. He has a hyperlink. It says uh, here that they were, unable to get the, they, they were unable to get the deal done before 2013, which they were anxious to do. You click on the hyperlink, and it goes to the, uh, of course, widely read news source, weaselzippers.us. And the weird thing about this is, is that it says a quote from the New York Times. And if you drill down, this quote actually comes from the New York Times, which I, I just find this really weird that if you're going to cite a source, why not just cite the original source that people will believe a liberal newspaper like the New York Times? Okay. So anyway, that may be because uh, the New York Times is behind a paywall after a day of the story running. So maybe that was why. But anyway, yeah, it was the New York Times, and Al Gore did want to he did want to complete the deal before December 31st because of the fiscal cliff. But what's really hilarious about this is he acted like a businessman, like they all want everybody to do. And then when he does it, they're all like, whoa, 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 what are you doing, man? All right. So that, that's Exhibit A. Um, they had another funny one here uh, a couple of days ago. And, uh, of course, you know, I'm not, I'm not getting into Facebook fights anymore as often. So, uh, But I did have to have some fun with this one. Here it is. Hobby Lobby's owners filed suit against the government earlier this year, arguing that Obamacare's contraception mandate would violate their faith by covering abortion-causing drugs or be exposed to severe penalties. All right. And uh, like and share if you agree the media should be covering this story, exclamation point. <laughs> you know what I did, don't you? Yeah, I went to Google News. And you go to Google News, and what do you see? Well, here you see a story from NPR. Hobby Lobby plans to defy health care mandate. And you go down a little further here, and there's another one from NPR, actually. And then there's Hobby Lobby defying health law refuses to cover morning after pill, Los Angeles Times. Hobby Lobby faces millions in fines for bucking Obamacare, CNN. So, you see, <laughs> they were really covering it. Now, I think the reason it probably didn't get as much attention is because I think they released their statement after uh, when the fiscal cliff was approaching. So that took a lot of uh, people's attention, you know, that and... You know, I know the liberal media is ruining our lives, but uh, uh, I think a, a, a deserved criticism is they are like the dog in Up, you know, squirrels, in a, and they're offering in another direction. So, and the other thing um, that I think that kept Hobby Lobby, you know, off of the, the news cycle is because the company that really caught a lot of flack for defying Obamacare and criticizing it was who? Papa John's, right? Okay. And I think that's because more people know who Papa John's are the know who Hobby Lobby are. I'm just going to guess a Papa John. Let's, let's, let's look it up real quick here. Papa John's has 2,600 locations in the United States, and Hobby Lobby has 514, but in 41 states. But then again, Papa John's also has uh, a total of 4,000 worldwide. So more people know uh, who Papa John's is versus who know, uh, people are familiar with Hobby Lobby. And the other thing I think uh, that maybe gave Papa John's more attention in this battle is the fact that I think with the Hobby Lobby thing, maybe people are sensitive to the fact that they're doing this rightly or wrongly over their uh, religious beliefs, and Papa John is uh, objecting to it because he's a dick. Okay, so, and interestingly enough, if you look at the Papa John's, uh, the map of all the countries that they're in, every other country they're in 
has nationalized healthcare. So there you go. All right. Well, that's fun with Newsbusters. I uh, hope you enjoyed that. And um, next week, another tight week, we'll probably do another uh, bit similar to this. And I found an even crazier website for you. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right. So uh, we're going to head on now on to the big interview. Paul Mercurio is an Emmy Award-winning and Peabody Award-winning stand-up comedian who has worked on The Daily Show with Jon Stewart, Got No Game on HBO, his own program, and currently has three projects in the works that he is in charge of. Uh, Here is our interview with Paul Mercurio. Okay, joining us on PS Tape Recorder is our old friend Paul Mercurio. Paul, how you doing? Good, buddy. How are you? Pretty good, man. Um, I know you got a lot of stuff going on. We uh, we covered in the pre-interview yesterday, so why don't yeah. we re- review that for folks? I know last time we spoke, you had a talk show in the works and an animated series, and then you had something else that you mentioned last night. Uh, yeah, scripted half hour based on my uh, my backstory. I was a lawyer, oh, that's right, lawyer turned comedian. Yeah, on Wall Street doing corporate M and A law, and then left to be a comedian and. People like, well, you're crazy. Uh, I was like, well, I, well, I guess I was. I mean, I always had an inkling I was going to be, I was funny because I was always the funniest lawyer in my law firm. Yeah. It's just kind of like being the sexiest IT guy. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'd say these like really wacky things to get laughs from the other lawyers, you know, stuff like, we can't do that. That's unethical. <laughs> and, uh, we, um, but then, you know, I uh, sold some jokes to Leno, and I got to see him do my jokes on The Tonight Show, and that, like, totally sucked me in, and I started to live this, like, secret double life. Ah, so I didn't know about the Leno thing. Yeah, I was a lawyer by day and a comic by night, and I was writing jokes for him, and um, I started, and then I saw him do the jokes, and he said, I'll go try the jokes out before you, you know, uh, before you, um, uh, you know, send them to me. And I became obsessed with, like, writing jokes and telling ah, okay. jokes to the point where I was going to deal meetings. I was really working on these big M&A deals, and I was going to deal meetings, and one was one notebook was for the deal, and the other was for the, um, for the, for the jokes, and I was just taking joke notes. I didn't give two <laughs> craps about the, the other thing, and it just was insane. Like I, and I would sneak out of work when I had downtime, and instead of going to dinner, like most of the associates, I'd go to these dive bars around New York City working open mic nights, and I... Uh, one of the places I worked was called Downtown Beirut 2. Yes, I remember that. And I love the name. It was such yeah. a hellhole. Like, people on the streets, when they bum money from you to go drinking, this is where they go to drink with the money. <laughs> it was literally like pimps worked out of there, a pusher. I love the fact that it was 2 also, Downtown, downtown Beirut 2. Apparently yeah. they were either franchising these or Israeli fighters took out one. <laughs> and they had to have comeback lines for drunk hecklers, and I got like really good at it almost too good at it to the point where my night job started spilling over into my day job. So one day I'm at the law firm and there's this big meeting and this lawyer starts criticizing me in front of everybody and I snap and he's like, I could have drafted a better document in my sleep and I literally like blurted out, oh yeah, well I could have been your father but the dog beat me over the fence. (laughs) And that was like the beginning of the end for me on Wall Street. So so we got a director attached to that project sort of based on that life story of a guy kind of trapped between two worlds, uh, a great guy named Don Scardino who's, uh, who uh, comes from 30 Rock and uh, oh, okay. Steve Carell's big movie, Burt Wonderstone, is coming out in March. So uh, we're going we're gonna to be moving that thing along. So we're, I'm really excited. And my animated show, we have a really cool 
animation studio attached. Now, which one was this? Because we you had discussed one about the, the was it the failed superheroes? Yeah, this is the uh, okay. This is the disgraced sports athletes. Oh, okay. Out of sports and then used the very things that get them kicked out of sports as superpowers. Oh, to, okay, okay. That's where I got confused. Oh, Space Squad. It's to fight crime, you know. Right. Um, to try to get themselves back into the good graces of society. And, yeah. Um, oh, okay. Okay. So there's like the womanizing guy, like Three Wood. You know, his name's Three Wood, and he's got <laughs> special powers. Is he has skanks that live in his bag, and he texts them, and they come out and fight for him. You know. Huh. Uh, and there's a you know a cast of other characters, and so um, we have a really cool animation studio doing that project with us, and we already have a buyer for that. Um, animation studios done like amazing stuff uh, at MTV and uh, Comedy Central and uh, the Cartoon Network so like they're really like this cutting edge studio in LA so and then I have a talk show based on how I kind of interact with the audience where the audience is actually the people doing the talking instead of like them just watching people talk yeah so will that and have guests uh, too though I'm, I'm, that's, I remember we just talked about that last time but I did, was kind of confused on the structure so you'll have like Will the guests, uh, the audience, be interacting with the guests as well, or will there be guests? Or no. Just be... In other words, I'll, I'll go out and interact with the audience as though I'm doing almost like a warm-up at a TV show. And oh, okay. People, and then have like the first act be a conversation where they get to talk, and then I bring two people down from the audience. Oh, wow. Second act, and let them engage in some other like segments, and then we have maybe like a third act where there's like a panelist and or a special celebrity guest or something. Oh, okay. But it's pretty much like the people's show. Yeah. And, and we have a uh, uh, really cool uh, production as Peter Wayne's brothers who are going to be doing stuff on that with us. So. Cool. Kind of sounds like a mix of uh, like Mars show and Letterman and, uh, like you said, a little audience warm-up. Yeah, I don't know if you remember the Morton Downey Jr. show. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. I used to love that show. The microphone. And yeah, yeah. Things, that kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Not Jerry Springer. It's not like people going crazy over paternity suits and stuff. It's, it's, I wanted an intelligent show where people got to be heard about what they think, you know. You Pablum Puker, used to say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, a little Morton Downey. The late Morton Downey. <clears throat> oh, with the cigarette and the giant mouth with those giant teeth. It was awesome, right? It was, it oh, was yeah, best. yeah. It was, that was the greatest. I remember he had, uh, he had Curtis Sliwa on, which was a buddy of his, I guess. Mm. And uh, it, the audience got used to queue up in the uh, in the stands there and be able to ask a question to the guest, which was kind of a cool idea. So the one this guy stands up and he's wearing an American flag T-shirt and he asks Curtis Lee, he says, "Hey, how do you respond to these charges in Montreal that some of your guys went a little over the top and beat up some people that weren't involved in this crime?" So Sliwa pauses and go, "Look how he wears the American flag." And then Morton down, he's right in this kid's face, going, "Yeah, you punk, sit down." Yeah, it's, it's like it's saying, like the minute you say anything, that's like yeah. slightly. I was on a panel show. And uh, there was a Republican on there, and they were slamming Obama for saying that the Constitution is flawed. And the guy goes, yes, that's an un-American for him to say that. That's un-American. And I turned to the guy and go, you're African-American. You have to say the Constitution is flawed. Up until a couple hundred years ago, you were three-fifths a person. You were a torso sitting at this desk. What are you talking about? Right? Oh, wow. People are just so caught up in the jingoism of America. You know, They don't even see their hand in front of their face. And in this case, they're black African-American hands. It's like... It's like yeah. Insanity. Was that Michael Steele? <laughs> no, no, it was some other dude. It was like he was more white than I was. Jesus, it was like, <laughs> I had more soul than this guy. <laughs> you know, the thing was amended twenty-seven times. You think exactly. That's yeah. Flawed. Yeah. 
right. What is wrong with people? Well, when they read it, remember they had that big deal they made, I think it was the beginning of the last Congress in 2010, where they all stood up and read the Constitution aloud, except for the part about the three-fifths of a person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Conveniently skipped that one. Walked over that one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, these were flawed. These guys were drunk when they yeah. wrote it, for God's sake. First of all, you know, and half the guys who wrote the Constitution were banging black chicks anyway. Ex- yeah, there you go. You know? Good old TJ, man. I'm banging black chicks now, and I'm, I got no game. <laughs> I can do it, anybody can do it. <laughs> you can write a document. That's what we should advise, like, Egypt and all these places that are trying to write their constitution or, or uh, you know, these, these new emerging democracies, you know. You get a bunch of guys in a room and you, you, you liquor them up real good with some ale and... Exactly. There you go. Well, we're all we're so principled when we want to be, and then they're talking about 2016 and whether, you know, who's going to be the Republican candidate for president. They're all, Chris Christie can't do it. He's too fat. He's too heavy. It's like, really? Like, that's your criticism of Chris <laughs> Christie? Not the fact that he, like, you know flashes teachers' unions' legs out from under them and cuts Social Security benefits. That's like saying Charlie Manson's not a good guy because you don't like his music. Like, like Chris Christie looks at the issue. Have you <laughs> seen the founding fathers of the country? Those four guys, look, the, the pet boys are better looking than those guys. <laughs> so I don't, I don't think good looks is the standard for, you know, you know, being a presidential candidate. I mean, look at Romney, for Christ's sake. He went back to being a mannequin advertising leisure suits as soon as he lost the election. Yeah. Uh, oh, you know what I want to add? Speaking of Romney and uh, and being a panelist on these shows, I, I saw in the news that uh, your your boy Sean Hannity, his ratings have plummeted uh, along with O'Reilly's since the election. Um, do you owe that to like the the feeling I'm having, where I'm just I'm just exhausted after the election? Yeah, I think I think it's bad. I, I think it's I think it's that combined with the Republicans lost. So I think they're uh, you know they're just you know when you lose you just you don't want to think about it for a while. I think people, I think they had their hopes up that they were going to win, and it was, they were polling neck and neck right up until the election, and, you know, Carl Rove and these guys were going on saying they're going to win, they're going to win, and and then, you know, they just, I think the I think the viewers will come back. I mean, where else yeah. are they going to go? I think they're just kind of like, you know what, I've been eating turkey for two, I mean, the election was two or three years, for God's sakes. It was like, it was a ridiculous amount of time. It was like, and by the way, we're no better off. I mean, this fiscal cliff nonsense, this is just the same. It's like a loop. It's like, we're ca- it's like Groundhog Day. It's like we're caught in the same. It's ridiculous. I mean, think about it. $2.6 billion was spent between both parties for the exact same configuration of House, Senate, and the executive branch. It's a ripoff. Yeah. It feels like, you know, when it's like restarting your computer without scanning for viruses. It's ridiculous, <laughs> right? And then, And then, you know had 2.6 billion dollars like money hasn't been wasted like that since disney made john carter it's like ridiculous and half of that money was just spent to teach romney how to pretend to care about poor people so that was a waste and and then and then you get the uh, and then you get the idea that well and i loved it when the republicans lost they were like oh i'm moving to canada i'm moving to canada oh really that's the best place to escape liberals that's like moving from new york to israel to get away from the jews (laughs) It's like, it's like it's, nothing's changed. There was a lot of money spent to bring us the, the exact same thing we had before. The whole vote was like buying the iPhone 5, but with shorter lines. That's it. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, they had Obama. He had low approval numbers. He hadn't had numbers that low since he won the immigration lottery to leave Kenya. Right? <laughs> he had economic recovery problems. You know, Obama was in trouble. You knew things were bad. 
when the L.A. Clippers had a better year than the economy, you know that things are bad. Oh, yeah. And how do the Republicans lose? They're like, they're like the Washington Generals against the Globetrotters. Like, I'm just waiting for confetti to fall, fall in their lap from a bucket. Like, hmm. like, foreclosures were everywhere. Americans were on track to retire by the age of 130. This should have been a slam dunk for them. Well, they, and yet they, they're like Jake LaMotta at the end of Raging Bull. They're bloated, they're angry, and they couldn't beat the black guy. Well, they turned into uh, the generals at the end there, just falling over their feet and, you know, getting... Exactly. Yeah. And, o- and Obama's got to watch out because he doesn't exactly have a mandate with like 51% of the vote. No, you know? yeah, we, we discussed he that. He shouldn't get any big ideas like he's going to take America to bed. You know, it'd be like the weird, nerdy kid in school who gets like a pity date from the head cheerleader thinking he's <laughs> going to get a later. Yeah. It's never going to happen. I mean, it's like he has a 50%... Vote. I mean, you wouldn't go to a restaurant with a Yelp rating of 50%. <laughs> and then the other thing is the ads. Like, didn't you burn out on the ads? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Especially, like, in Ohio. Where you yeah, just, like, that's where we are. Yeah, I mean, we had every day, every commercial work. break. I'm just happy to be back for a regular, classy television advertising for, like, hover-around scooters, mail-order catheters, and vaginal mesh lawsuits. That's what I miss. There you go. The good old days. <laughs> And, you know, the news coverage, like, you know, watching Blitzer look surprised each time the poll numbers are rolling in is, like, it's kind of what I imagine my grandfather would look like if I threw him a surprise party, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Then they had those holograms on CNN. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was like I was being given electric results by a well-informed ghost. It was so bizarre. And then you watch... I would switch between, like, Fox News and MSNBC at the same time. And it was like watching a football game on two different channels, but each channel had a completely different score. (laughs) uh, And then, you know, Fox News immediately bashed Obama's negative campaign. Fox News' bashing negativity was like starting to make Donald Trump look like he was self-aware and knew what he was talking about. Like, Carl Rove had a meltdown. That was awesome. That was awesome, right? yeah. And they whacked I mean, him. Just, and uh... When they called it for Obama, he wouldn't. He said the numbers aren't right. The numbers aren't right. I think the Republican skepticism on science has spread to mathematics now. Like, <laughs> don't you think like Carl Rove right now is somewhere in a dark new back room somewhere, like smoke-filled back room in Ohio, just coding, counting votes by hand, just praying a guard with a little like hard-on thing. Maybe I can pull this out. Maybe I can pull this out. Oh, yeah. That, that or he's already uh, outlining what, how he's going to attack Hillary in 2016. Yeah. Well, and all those hedge fund guys that uh, Rove lined up at $300 million uh, to get behind Romney and losing, it, it questions those. I question the investment choices of the hedge fund guys. I mean, going to these oh, guys yeah. for investments has got to be like going to a doctor who smokes two packs of cigarettes a day and keeps <laughs> sausage in his desk drawer, you know? Yeah. Not a, not a wise investment, that. Oh, exactly. And then, you know, I, I just, just the whole thing just felt like the whole primary was just such a, I mean, well, Romney was, was the obvious guy. I mean, the, the yeah. country flirted with Newt Gingrich for a while, but that guy's a wackadoo. I mean, you know, like that, that's like you're drunk at the bar, it's midnight, and you're flirting <laughs> with the girl, and then you realize you've got an Adam's apple and seven <laughs> restraining orders, and you move on. Yeah. That was, and then was... the thing that shocked me was like, did you notice how, like, they were attacking Romney for being rich. Other Republicans. Did you ever think you lived to see the day <laughs> of that? That was crazy. I mean, like, like that's the... Look, I'm not a Romney fan, but God bless the guy. He made money. What's wrong with that? Mm-hmm. That's the American dream, right? Oh, he has a lot of Cadillacs. 
And I'm like, yeah, he needs a lot of cars because he's going in a lot of direction directions at the same time. So <laughs> you know, with his opinions, right? Cut him some right? slack, yeah. And he and he's like, oh, we've got too many Cadillacs. Well, I'd rather have that. I don't want that. I, I don't want like, I want my presidential candidate to be successful, and I don't want him going. I got to run my Kia's double parked. I don't want that <laughs> for my president. You know, it's like yeah. I. People were questioning why he needed a pickup truck. That was the other thing he had. I don't remember yeah. that one. What's that? I don't remember that one. Yeah, he had a pickup truck. And I think it was because, you know, he was moving jobs to Mexico, and he figured he'd help with the hauling, you know? <laughs> Strap the dog to the roof, and off you go. Yeah, exactly. There you go. All right, man. So what else do you have planned here for uh, 2013 coming up? I guess with all these projects, I mean, you're, uh, I guess you have some dates early in the year, but then uh, you'll be focusing on these all these shows, yeah, I'm going, I imagine. Yeah, I'm continuing to go on a lot of the political news shows um, and, uh, you know, kind of, you know, doing some, a lot of sports stuff. I did some stuff at ESPN. I'm going to be doing oh, some cool. stuff up there with them. Yeah, and uh, how's your uh, fantasy football lose though? Uh, finished in fourth, made it to the playoffs, uh, won the quarterfinals, lost in the semis, and then lost the playoff bowl to my nephew. So oh, wow. my, my former boss won third championship in six seasons, so I'm really motivated now to win my third one next year. But You uh, won three in, out of six? He won three in six years. I've won two in ten years. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. You suck. I know, you right? Call <laughs> yourself an American. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of good stuff going on. I mean, you know, I was shocked that Hostess Twinkie went on it. Hostess went on it. Who thought in this country, the fattest country in the world, Hostess could go out of business? Like, if, if you can't go with a Twinkie in this country, man, you just. You, I don't know what's going go on. Business. It's like having a prostitution ring in an NFL locker room and going bankrupt. Like, <laughs> that doesn't. How does that work? Exactly. Like, how do you not? How do you not make that work? And then. And then, you know, what I liked was that, you know, look, it, it, I want to see the company come back. It'll be sad that in 20 years from now, you have little kids, I have little kids, they won't even know what a Twinkie is. It'll be like in an artifact museum right between <laughs> DVDs and the NHL. Yeah, there you go. You know? well, I'm sure it'll be sad that, like, it'll be, you know, they'll just think a Twinkie is a reference to a gay man's penis. Like, they won't <laughs> know. No, who's they won't know. Exactly. The bosses at the company kept asking the board for raises while the company was tanking. I mean, these guys are ballsier than the diabetics that eat their Twinkies. Like, I don't understand how these people, like, the, the board at one point actually goes, oh, well, you know, the unions are the problem. The union's like, no, you can't. That's like being the captain of the Titanic and blaming the sinking on the fact you were distracted by the violin music. Like, you can't, <laughs> you can't run a company like that. So, I don't know. All right, man. Well, you got a lot of, a lot of good lines there, man. I hope you can, uh, I hope those are all part of the, uh, the act. That's some hilarious stuff. I like all of the uh, yeah, I've been riffing all, on, all the metaphors. That's yeah, I, yeah. I think that the uh, the practice has done you good there on uh, on all the on all the talk shows and stuff. People are in for a real <laughs> treat in San Francisco and Minneapolis coming up. So, um, yeah, yeah. But we'll uh, we'll post your dates and the links, of course, on the Podbean page. The print version of this will be in um, City Pages the week you're there, of course. So, uh, okay. all right, man. Well, thanks for taking the right. time, and uh, we'll uh, you know continue success with all the with all three shows, and um, we can say we knew Paul when. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Keep an eye out for me. I'll be on uh, Fox News again next week. And okay. On, on Red Eye? Or and, uh, on Hannity. Okay. Oh, very good. Okay. Yep, on Hannity and Red Eye. Yep. Cool, man. All right. Well, thanks, All right, man. Buddy. Thank you, man. All right, bye.
Thanks again to Paul Mercurio for being on the show. You can catch Paul in San Francisco at the Punchline starting Wednesday, January 9th. He's there through January 12th. He's then in Minneapolis at Rick Bronson's House of Comedy there in the Twin Cities. That is February 6th through, it looks like, what, February the 10th, and then in Baltimore at the Comedy Factory, the comic strip in Edmonton. And, of course, we will have uh, all the links you need for Paul Mercurio uh, at the Podbean page, pfradio.podbean.com, if you're listening to this any other way than through the Podbean website. Or you can just go to paulmercurio.com, and it's Mercurio, not Mercurio. Even though he was born Mercurio, we had to change his name because there already was a Paul Mercurio. And as he said in an earlier interview I did with him, if you go looking for that guy, you'll find some gay porn. No, he's a dancer or something. I don't know. It's, it's 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 Paul's joke. It's not mine. I don't care if he's a gay dancer. Okay, so we have a big announcement coming next week. Uh, we have been invited uh, to do a project uh, by an old friend of mine, but we're still trying to work out the details. So hopefully we'll have those for you uh, at the end of next week's program. And in the meantime, what? Like us on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at PF66. PF Tape Recorder logo designed by Dan Koble. Follow him at TigerDactyl on Twitter. Music for PS Tape Recorder was composed and performed by John Varopoulos and Doug O'Connor with a little help from me. Remember, for all your vintage t-shirt needs in Northeast Ohio, the Cleveland area, if you're from there and know somebody from there, you want to go to Home Shirts Cleveland. Then you just go to Home Shirts forward slash Cleveland. Couldn't be easier. And uh, I guess the Milwaukee site, Pittsburgh, Indianapolis are all coming together as well. And of course, the original site is Cincy Shirts. And that, of course, links to Look At Me Shirts, which where you can buy just all kinds of uh, uh, you know funny t-shirts sure it's not necessarily tied to particular cities so dig all that on the internets won't you okay that is the uh, all the business i have here for this week other than to say so long and thanks for listening